Welcome, Glencoe. We're pleased you're with us for our D35 on the go, our District 35 podcast. We hope this allows you to listen, learn, and stay connected when it's convenient for you. I'm Katherine Wang. I have the pleasure of serving as the superintendent of our school district and your host. Today, we are talking with Michelle Eichert, author of 14 Talks by Age 14 and Middle School Makeover. We're going to learn more about her newest book, Eight Setbacks That Can Make a Child a Success. And with her help, we're going to understand the three steps that parents can take to support a child through a setback and help them to come out stronger on the other side. We'll also discuss ways we can work together as a community to support all of our children collectively. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So we're going to start, Michelle, with a lightning round, we call it, to learn a little bit about your background and your newest book. So let's start with question number one. Are you a parent? I am. I have a 21 and a 23-year-old, and I've been doing this work since they were two and four. So they have really grown up with this as their background. So they have grown up as you have grown up in this whole field. And what pushed you to becoming an author? The author part came in 2015. I published my first book, and I started doing this in 2004. So um, I originally was writing curriculum that was being used by schools and summer camps about social leadership, so helping kids navigate the social world. And the author part came sort of organically because parents were saying, my kids really learned a lot in this program, but what do you have for me? (laughs) I want to be able to support them at home. And so uh, I pivoted to writing for parents, and that's, I think, really my true love, writing books for parents and teachers. So... Your newest book, you talk about research and um, putting in there the the stories and the learnings from others. So tell us a little bit about what research you did for this newest book. The the research is, in addition to just sort of aggregating research that scientists have done, um, the sort of anecdotal research came from a group that I have on Facebook. It's called Less Stressed Middle School Parents. We have 12,000 members from across the country and across the world. And so... Throughout the process of writing the book, I was constantly going into the group and saying, what is your experience with this and what can you tell me about this? So I talked with ultimately 30 families about their kids' experiences and and they sort of shaped the stories in the book. And when you think um, of this newest book, what do you feel like is the biggest takeaway you hope a parent will take from your latest book? I want parents who read this book to walk away with a feeling of relief and understanding that all kids not only do face setbacks and failures and challenges, but that they should, that becoming an adult requires kids to learn how to cope with challenges and failures. And so we want them to have enough experiences early in life that they become good at that, or at least that they learn that they are capable of overcoming challenges. So that's the the most important message. So I'm going to build on that because you talked about in order to become an adult, Mm -hmm. our children have to have failure. Last night at your your fan talk, you spoke about that failure being public, and that helps move a child into adulthood. I have have like feelings of (laughs) um, memories of public failure as a child and shame around that. Tell us more about your thoughts on that. So it's likely that your kid is going to fail privately lots of times, and you'll never know. 
And it's also likely that there will be times when they screw up or face plant right out in the public eye and people will talk about it. And the way that we react to a child who is experiencing a sense of failure, and I should say that the examples in the book are not all failures in the sense that they are, you know, the end of a sentence, but while a kid is in crisis, while they are feeling this um, setback or challenge, it can feel like a failure to them. So when that happens, the way that we react will help decide whether a kid kind of gets stuck there in the muck and they marinate in it and they continue to feel like a failure or if they learn from it and if that becomes a launch pad for more growth for them. So I'm going to jump to, as a parent, how do I get them not stuck in the muck? How do I, how do I launch it into a learning opportunity? So there are three things that I want parents to do when they feel like their child is in some kind of a crisis. And this can be a lower C crisis. This can be, I feel like my child has lost confidence. They don't seem to believe in themselves anymore. Or it can be a capital C crisis. My my child is binge drinking and they've gone to the hospital or they're, you know, something like that. So there's a wide range of experiences here. It, it's the same three steps, no matter what. So the first is to recognize that there's an issue and to contain it. And that might mean putting up boundaries against something that's coming towards your child. Maybe there's some um, harassment online or maybe there's someone who's, you know, affecting their self-esteem. Or maybe your child is making decisions like the binge drinking that are putting them in danger and you need to contain the child. So that's the first thing that parents need to do. But often parents stop here. They think, okay, I've kind of stopped the bleeding and and now that's done. I'm moving on to the next issue in our lives. But I want parents to take the second step, which is resolve. And there's a list in the book of um, ways that you can encourage your child to take action when they are feeling helpless or hopeless or immobilized or incompetent or whatever it may be um, after they've experienced a setback. So that's the most important step for helping a kid get unstuck. Maybe that's my kid needs to make an apology for something that they did. Or maybe your child has a misunderstanding of how something works and they just need you to give them some more information so that they can make better choices. Um, There's a huge range of things that a kid can do. It almost doesn't matter what a child does to take action after they experience a failure. All that matters is that they do take action. That's what keeps a kid from getting stuck. So that's critical. And then the final thing is evolve. And that's really where we take action as parents and we put this in the rearview mirror. We don't keep asking about it. We don't press the bruise. We don't ruminate on it. We say, this is something that happened and now we're putting it behind us and we're moving on. So that makes a great deal of sense and as we respond to and wanna react to what's going on for our child. What advice do you give to parents who are looking down the, the road and it's not yet a failure, it's not yet a setback, but they predict it will be. Is there, is there any yep. advice you give to pull them back from clearing that path for their child and letting them feel some of those bumps? I love this question. I, I would want parents to ask themselves, is this failure really dangerous to my child's health and well-being, or is this failure really uncomfortable for my child and for me? And if it's really uncomfortable, 
then the best thing you can do probably is ask some questions that might encourage your child to think of this a little bit more, to explore it or examine it. So that might sound like um, if you feel like they're entering a friendship with someone and you think this is disastrous, this friend is really bad. So instead of saying you're not going to hang out with this person, you might say, how does it feel when you spend time with this person? Or I'm noticing sometimes you're extra tired after you hang out. Um, what, what does it feel like when you're together? And, and well, how does it feel when you hang out with other people? Uh, so asking some sort of leading questions that get them thinking about it might be all you can do in, in terms of you can't prevent it necessarily. Now, if what you're seeing is really dangerous, if your child is talking to people online who are unknown to you and could be predatory, you're not going to let that play out and see how it goes. So certainly there are times when parents need to intervene and say, we're not going to see how this ends up. I can tell this is really dangerous. But if it is um, possibly painful, definitely uncomfortable, that's okay. And kids need to have experience with pain and discomfort in order to know how to soothe themselves when they feel pain and discomfort. Because it's not as if they will leave your house one day and suddenly have no experience with that. Oh, good, we made it through the first 18 years without any um, difficulties, and so it will just continue to be so. Actually, those are kids who then have real trouble launching later. So we want to give them enough opportunity to fail and figure it out early on that when they do launch, they can recall, oh, I've had this experience before in a different way, but I know that I can handle it. I appreciate that. You're talking about, as a parent, get curious with your child about what might happen if. Yes. Before things might happen. You you have talked about, or we've heard about, the greenhouse metaphor and how it can be helpful to understand our yeah. role as parents. Okay, so can I you think, elaborate? And it goes to some of that social dynamic it can. Yeah, so the idea behind this is it's really an analogy that I love for parenting. It's... Um, Greenhouse keepers raise these little tender sweet plants in the perfect environment. Everything is just scientifically um, determined to be the best possible environment for this little plant to thrive. And what they do with those little plants as they're growing is they occasionally take them outside in the frozen ground and expose them to extremely harsh conditions. And then they bring them back into the wonderful warmth and nurturing environment of the greenhouse and then they take them out again into the freezing cold and incrementally expose the plants to difficult um, things to tolerate. And this is something that gardeners and greenhouse keepers called hardening off the plant. And so I use it as an analogy for parenting in that we need our kids to incrementally be exposed to things that are uncomfortable and that are hard to tolerate. And that can be you know, a breakup, or that can be hanging out with friends who make you feel not so great sometimes. And that can be, you know, a million things that we all experienced ourselves as kids, and our kids will continue to experience themselves. If we try to clear all of that out of the way, and then we take those precious little plants and we put them outside, they don't survive. And so it's so important that they are incrementally exposed to feelings that are hard to tolerate. That's how they learn to build up resilience to that. And with that as parents, um, it, it sounds like you'd also support they seeing that we have different feelings, right? Throughout our, throughout our days, throughout our weeks, that we struggle with things going well and things not going well. 
and they need to hear us say that. They need to hear and see what you do when things don't go your way. Mm. So you, you might say, I had a terrible day today at work. Um, I'm, I'm just feeling really let down and disappointed, kind of mad at myself, but I'm going to take a hot bath and then I'm going to watch my favorite TV show and then tomorrow's a new day. I'm going to go in and I'm going to talk to my boss. And to for your kid to see you and to hear you talk out loud about your process, normalizing, we all screw up, normalizing, we all face challenges, normalizing, we all have stress, but that we can take it into our own hands to cope with that, that's huge for a kid to see. I appreciate that. I think we all as adults, and especially in this environment and community, we need to model that more for our students. That right. It, it's not a dirty word to fail or to have a setback. It's, it's what you do next with that. So sometimes as parents, um, we can be tempted to hold the big picture consequence over our child. Like, you know, if you don't study for this test, then you're not going to get that A, and then that's going to be, that's going to show up as you're applying to colleges. Or um, if something else, you know, if something else were happening, whether it's something on social media, like if you post that, remember, people are going to see that when you're trying to apply to be, to get that scholarship. How do you advise parents to to, to step back or, or other ways to, to minimize using those tactics with our children? I will tell you that that sort of forward thinking um, worry about how an authority, a, an admissions counselor, a hiring manager at an employee, you know, at your first job, whatever it is, worrying about that in the future makes no sense to a kid. They are, they are very focused in the present, right? And, and their biggest concerns, starting in early adolescence, throughout adolescence, is how they fit in with their peer group. Um, they're not concerned with whether or not something that they do will um, impact them 10 years from now. They can't possibly imagine what 10 years from now is like. Uh, so I don't think it's a good idea to use that as um, a stick or a carrot or whatever, however mm-hmm. you're using it. I think what works better is to talk about things in the present. Um, and so that might sound like, you know, what does it feel like to post something like this? What would it feel like to other people if you post this? That sort of thing, as opposed to what is the consequence you know, the legal or the social or moral consequence to this. So I think that's more helpful. And then um, I think that there's also this sort of idea here of preserving your relationship over being right. Tell us more about that, like as parents, parent-child relationship. Yeah, so I think that a lot of times we know what's right. We've earned that wisdom. Our kid hasn't had the opportunity Mm. to earn the wisdom yet. And we want to say... If you don't do this, I know you're going to regret it. I know this consequence is going to happen down the road and you're going to be so upset and I'm going to be upset that you didn't do this thing because I'm going to be upset because I see it and I know it's the right thing and I'm telling you to do it <laughs> and you're not doing it. And the example that, I, that I've been giving recently is um, when my son refused to wear his retainer after getting his braces off and I could have fought him on that we could have really done some damage to our relationship because I spent a lot of money on braces and I wanted his teeth to be straight and he wanted his teeth to be straight but he also was sick of having the braces and he didn't want to wear it and and 
what could I do? Hold it in his mouth, you know? <laughs> and so there are a lot of things I could have tried. I could have tried taking away his phone or yelling at him or whatever. But I decided it would be more important to preserve our relationship. And so now he is a, a young adult who has to make a decision about what he'll, you know, his teeth got slightly crooked again, not bad, but he'll may have to decide about that. But we have a great relationship. And, and that's more important to me that I think about our relationship past age 18 hmm. and into being adults with each other. I want, an, I want that. It reminds me also that um, at times we as parents get stuck in minutia of yes. the consequences of a decision or a setback. And it's hard to step back and see that, you know, in the span of the years to come, that's not that's not going to make that difference. But how our child recoups or learns from that can be that's a really so much piece. more important. You're right. We do we lose perspective really easily because we are exhausted and we're deep in the <laughs> <laughs> the business of being in a family, right? And making sure everybody gets to their appointments and that we do our jobs well and that there's food for every meal. It's a lot of work. And so when one little piece of it starts to fray, yes. it feels like it's going to make everything fray. And so I completely understand that urge. But if you can take a deep breath and maybe even buy some time and say, I will, I will wait a week and if it's still a an issue, I'll think about it then, or I'll give myself a month before I start worrying about that. Uh, I think that can be really helpful. And again, recognizing you said so well, if it if it's falling in that zone of dangerous or unsafe to self or others, yes, we're saying deal with it. Yes, get help. Yes, respond. I love that. So we talk about it taking a village to raise a child, and um, our audience for this podcast is our entire Glencoe. 35 community, what advice would you have for our community so that we are working together to, to support this concept of fostering, growing from setbacks, fostering, encouraging failures to be learning opportunities, not just in our individual homes, but in our District 35 community? So there are a couple things that I think parents can be doing. The first is accepting that you said it really well earlier in the podcast that failure isn't a bad word that it's you know it's actually necessary to do so that you can learn how to overcome hard things so that's key and then when you accept that 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 adults are willing to be vulnerable enough to talk to each other when they are undergoing um, any kind of a challenge in their family all the parents I interviewed for this book to a person said the moment they started feeling better was the moment they told someone what was happening. And so you don't have to go broadcast it. I wouldn't want that, but I would want you to find someone who you trust who you can say this is what we're going through. And maybe that person puts you in touch with a great resource or another parent who's been through the same thing. And I call that the whisper network. And that is such a great way for parents to find support. And then I think we all could be doing a much better job of saying to a parent when something happens publicly, for example, and we say, oh no, that kid got suspended or that kid posted something that was really terrible on social media, that we say to that family, I, I, I still love your kid and I love you. And this is, this happens. This is, you know. He or she made a mistake yeah. and, and let's help them grow from this. Yeah. And I'm not it's thinking hard. any differently about you because mm. I think parents worry, what are people thinking about me? Is this an indictment of my own parenting or of, of the, who I am as a person? And so we need to help parents sort of put down their guard on that. Mm, I love that. 
you talk about in the book um, that one of the things that you asked parents in your interviews for the book was if you had a magic wand and you could erase a large mistake that your child had made. Tell us about what you learned and what the parents said. Yeah, this was a real surprise. So I asked every parent and all but one said, I said, if you could get rid of this experience, this painful experience that your child went through, uh, would you, if I could give you this magic wand? And all but one said, I wouldn't. They said, if you had asked me while we were going through it, I would have used it immediately. But now, what my child learned from this is too valuable for me to take that away from them. Uh, I think that we as parents would still like to take it away from our memory. <laughs> if we could have a little selective amnesia, that would feel really good for us. But our kids learned something important from whatever challenge they faced. And the families I spoke with said, it's too valuable. I don't want to get rid of it. So that was quite a surprise. I, I, that is an amazing um, way to end this, to think about the value and the impact of, of failures and setbacks and how we have a role in, in helping our children learn from this and modeling that in what we do, but also celebrating the growth they make when, when oopses happen. That's right. Some larger than others, we recognize, yes. <laughs> um, but that, that, that is part of also as a school district what we're here to help support and grow in all of our children so that they thrive as they become adults out in our community. So That's thank right. you so much. Uh, this was wonderful, wonderful to spend time with you. And we know um, we have more opportunities to learn from you. For those who are listening, thanks for listening. If you are interested in learning more about Michelle's work, we encourage you to read her book, Eight Setbacks That Can Make a Child a Success. We are going to be raffling off three free copies of this book. So if you'd like to be entered into the raffle, email d35 on the go at glencoschools.org. And additionally, please keep your eye out for information about upcoming D35 Learning Together events in the weekly news, including a fan-sponsored session with author Lynn Lyons that's going to focus on anxiety. And we have a session with author Deborah Heitner focused on technology and social media. Both of those considered to be priority topics we know for our parents and our teachers as we think about supporting our students. Big thank you to our student musicians, and please keep an eye out for our next podcast. Thank you.